sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. This is Rabbi Erez Sherman of Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. Some episodes you really look forward to, but this one I've been waiting to, not for just months, but for years, because it brings me back to my high school days, driving home from Manlius Pebble Hill, turning on 620 WHN, and hearing this voice, primetime Adam Shine of Time to Shine, daily CBS Sports TV show, Rise and Shine podcast, a weekly podcast on Sirius XM Radio, a graduate of the Newhouse School of Communications at Syracuse University. Primetime Adam Shine, it's so great to have you on Rabbi on the Sidelines. How you doing? I, I have to tell you, Rabbi, when, when you said that, I have goosebumps. I mean, thinking back to, to those days and how much fun, and I'm starting out my career and getting to know you and your family and, and your dad, and even just a reference to, to Manlius. I mean, <laughs> oh, just just unbelievable times. And I, I've been looking forward to this. I'm really happy we can make this happen. Well, we won't go down the Wegmans Varsity and Cosmo route right now. We don't have <laughs> enough time. But uh, for those who are watching in Syracuse, it's good to reconnect from New York and LA. But I do want to go back to how we actually met because of course I'm a rabbi, but my dad as well. And I vividly remember my dad saying, we got to do something creative for Purim. And that voice of primetime Adam Shine, he's got an MCR Purim spiel. You said yes, but it was 2004, I believe, and or 2002. And then next week, you uh, left us in Syracuse and went to WFAN. So we never got the Purim spiel, but we got the connection. So let's go back there. Why would you say yes to emceeing a Purim spiel when you were busy with Syracuse Athletics in 2002? Why well, do that? I mean, it's, it's funny. Your your dad was, meant so much to me for a lot of different reasons, right? And you know, um, in Syracuse, Syracuse is a great place, great people, great community, great people of, you know, different religions, races, walks of life, you know, diff I love Syracuse. I'm sure for you, it was a great place to grow up. For me, it was a great place to go to school and great place to spend three years after on, mm -hmm. on my first job. And, you know, I, I made a point after I graduated. I, I remember it was after a Syracuse, Michigan game. Football? In, in football. 1991. At the and Big House. Yom, Yom Kippur was on a Monday. And I worked. It was the first time I ever did that. Or, and I I felt, and it was my first job, and it was Syracuse, Michigan. It was a huge deal. And Tom Brady was like, and I felt awful. I, mm. I really did. And I said, I want to find the way where I can become part of the Jewish community. I'm not a student anymore. Oh. Wow. I want to be part of the Jewish community in Syracuse. And I belong to a Reform Temple now, Reform. I grew up conservative, and I found your dad and his synagogue, and he could not have been more gracious. And it's funny, my wife now, who was my girlfriend then, we went to his services oh, wow. for the high holidays. So when your dad asked me to do that, Knowing in my mind there was a chance that I might leave before whatever he said, I was going to say yes and try to make it happen. And I ended up moving from Syracuse to New York in February of 2002. Well, I don't remember a Yom Kippur that I have not worked in the last 15 years. I'm trying to do that myself. So, uh, <laughs> um, but you always had that connection, but really let's go to the sports world first. You have a voice and you're not afraid to use that voice. Um, of course, in sports issues, but really also moral issues as well. 
what allows you to both have that freedom, but also the courage realizing that I'm going to stand for something that's right, or might be something that people don't even know is right. And we'll get into more of the details in a minute. Well, I think it's important to do that. You know, I always pride myself on being authentic on the air. And I'm also, I'm cognizant of my role in in society and entertainment. I go back to Syracuse to the Newhouse School. I had a professor, a man named Bob Lissett, who once said to me, and he was an old school, you know, a political consultant and, and TV producer. And, and he said, Shine, you want to make your living in the toy department. And it was something that always stayed with me because people look to sports as an escape from, mm -hmm. and they want to be in the toy department. They want to be entertained. But I've realized when you do radio, people want to know about you and your life. And now more than ever before, there's such an intersection of life and sports and politics and sports and sports and culture. And, you know, I'm always honest about the truth and what's right and talking about how much Judaism means to me and, you know, standing up for for what's right in, in society. And, you know, there have been issues, you know, where there's been anti-Semitism and, you know, I've I've talked about it on, on the show and on the podcast, radio, TV. And, you know, I I think it's important. I want to do it. I feel compelled to do it. And I the feedback has has always been great. Was there or is there any pushback when things like that happen? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, your podcast, I listen to you when I uh, go for a run around the neighborhood, and it's Kenny Smith and his new book. Second coming up, Maya Shines Bat Mitzvah. That is like the most contradictory thing I've ever heard. Is there <laughs> pushback or people saying, Shine, you go for it. This is what matters. And when I hear that, I can do that too in whatever I do. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that from younger people in the business. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that from older people in the business who wish they would have done it. Oh, Again, nice. that to me, Rabbi, is part of the, or is it's part of the um, of being authentic, but also, you know, people might not remember who I picked in the Jaguars-Titans game, but they will remember if I tell a good heartfelt story on why Maya's bat mitzvah was so important to my family, to me, to our friends, to everybody, to a community, and why it meant something. So, you know, it's it's personal, it's professional, it's with a purpose. I think it adds to good radio, or in this case, a, a great podcast. And I, I think it's important. And, you know, whenever I use a Yiddish word or tell someone mazel tov, or, you know, I'm, I'm aware of how that translates and yeah. what that means. Um, and it's also who I am. So it's it's very genuine. I'll give you some material from my senior rabbi, Rabbi David Wolpe, who uh, says often, I can't you tell you, I can't foretell, but I can't forefeel. And that people want to know how you forefeel. They're not going to know what you remember to say, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. And you, <laughs> you, uh, you do that often. And so I want to dig a little deeper. First, that going back to the Syracuse time, you were there during the times. I know you just celebrated an awesome birthday, 46 years old. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I'm 40, so that six-year difference. I was in seventh, eighth grade when John Wallace, Otis Hill, Todd Berg, and Lazar Sims were happening, the Donovan McNabb, Rob Conrad. I can name them all. You're giving me the um, chills again. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Believe me. Sitting out here watching the 4 o'clock Big East game just doesn't work. Uh, um, but what well, 
why in that era did it work? What was what was it about that little shtetl? Like, let's use that Yiddish word. It was a shtetl of athletics and religion. And for me, my dad taught me it wasn't faith or sports. It was always faith and sports. Yeah. How did that go together in the 90s that brought that community of 30,000 on a negative 30 degree night in January together? You know, you live there. So maybe you were in the weeds on it. But for me, and I've talked to Jim Beheim about this. You know, this guy behind me, right? It, it, I mean, I could look at that picture all day, but it was it was a confluence of things and events. It was the dome, which when it was built and it's in snowy central New York at Syracuse, New York, it was it was iconic. And Jim was winning games and ESPN had the Big East and the Big East had all these incredible coaches and great players and you had the, the big Monday ESPN games. Yep. So you could be a range of a college basketball fan, diehard, casual. You put on ESPN. I think it was very easy to fall in love with the product. Now, mm -hmm. I knew that I always wanted to go to Syracuse and you know become a sportscaster and be a sports talk show host. So I had interest in Syracuse. And, and watching those games in the Dome, and ESPN would always do that outside shot, right? And here's the wide shot of the Dome, and there's snow on the ground, and it's cold, and then, bam, you go inside, and here's Derek Coleman warming up. And, then you know, th those were great days. And you referenced days when I was in college. I mean, my, my four college years were Donovan McNabb's four years as a starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. I have to explain that to people. Every Syracuse football game mattered. Do we so, want to go back to Steve Brominski tight end Virginia Tech game, or do we not want to do that? I mean, I, those, those, <laughs> I these are there. great I moments. Was, I was hugging people that I didn't even know. <laughs> and it's one of those moments, if you're a Syracuse fan, or if you live there, it's where were you when. Yeah. Like that, people need to realize, and I still – you know, and, and, you know, doing what I do for a living, that's one of my all-time favorite moments. The purity of it, the celebration, you know, Donovan was incredible. Um, a friend of mine who, you know, called that game for WAR, the college radio station. I mean, it was... 88.3. It was a sweet and special night. Yeah, it was it was great. But I think, I think the Dome was part of it. Um, you know, when John Wallace made that run, that was my, my freshman year. 95 and then 96 when he made the run, you know, into into spring of my freshman year. So I, I was there for some great times. It's interesting because I listened to a little clip on CBS Radio when in Time to Shine when Coach Beheim retired and you talked about, you know, it didn't go the way that everybody thought it would. It went the Jim Beheim way. But you really, I think, hit it right on the head when you said the stuff that you don't see from Coach Beheim and the staff like that. Um, is what's really important. The visits to the hospitals, the calls to cancer patients, the help with the children with special needs. And as you might know, I was the recipient of that through my brother of blessed memory. And 96, John Wallace was our pen pal. And didn't matter what's happening, he'd hop over the blue before there were courtside seats and press row and just say hello to my brother. And win or lose, it didn't matter. It was what these, it was, it's what the athletes and coach and the team stood for. How do you see that in now professional sports, the Jets, the Giants, the Bills? Does that stuff happen too, or is it simply business? Uh, it definitely happens, and, and it happens, and I think that there are, for the most part, I truly believe that, so many great people in sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, Josh Allen, what he does for the Children's Hospital in Buffalo. But even going back to that with Jim Beheim, 
And I always say that about Beheim. And I, I have a great relationship with him, and he was always good to me, and I would go to practice. But I remember seeing that before I even knew you and, and your family. Like, I would see that with coach and players, even as a student with your brother. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, never look at me. It was before the cell phone era. They, they It was important to them. Yep. And, and yep. you can see that. And, you know, and, and I was happy when I interviewed Jim after he retired that he let me talk about that because what he does in Syracuse, and he knows who he is in Syracuse, what he does with cancer patients and coaches versus cancer, time, energy, money, it's, I mean, he's a mensch. And I have to sometimes explain that to people, but I know he can be a curmudgeon. Jim Beheim is a mensch. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was glad he let me, Finally, now that he's retired, talk about that. And I do think there are a lot of teams that do a lot of good things. And, you know, the Yankees have have a great week in New York City where it's, you know, a different cause, lending hands to to different foundations and different uh, people that, that need, you know, money and time and, and charities. So I do think in sports that's more prevalent than maybe people realize. So sports can be a way to build bridges and not walls. And we saw this past year, the anti-Semitism aspect, specifically with Kanye West in the music industry, leading to Kyrie Irving and the Black Hebrew Israelites going right around Barclays centers, leading to really difficult times. At the same time, um, I had the opportunity to go on uh, Inside the NBA with Barkley and Johnson and then go to NBA Today with uh, Malika Andrews. And you picked that up on your episode. Um, Take us to the Kyrie Irving. You said, you know, Mazel Tov, Mensch, but anti-Semitism is much more than Yiddish words. What did that moment mean and what could have been very divisive, but hopefully realize that sports can bring people together in a deeper way? What was really troublesome to me is I think that there was a lot of sugarcoating when it came to Kyrie. And and I just found myself, and I'm always, I want to be measured, you know, with my words on everything, right? It could just be evaluation of a game, but especially something as serious and as important and, and, you know, close to the heart when it comes to anti-Semitism. And I felt like there were too many people who were glossing over it, either saying it was okay or it was misunderstood Mm -hmm. or not talking about it. And I would have talked about it anyway, but I was starting to get angry. Not on air, but off air. And then I, I got a little heated as I as I went through it because it's just there's no place. And, you know, Charles Barkley once said years ago, you know, athletes are not role models, but, you know, people are going to pay attention. And you mentioned uh-huh. Kanye and the, and the music industry. And it's just it, it broke my heart and it made me sad and it made me angry all, all rolled into one. So. You know, I, I don't have to ask anyone before I do that. The feedback on it was was really beautiful from listeners, from friends, from listeners and, and friends who are Jewish, who are not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And it really, it stimulated an important conversation. And also anti-Semitism still exists and people have to be cognizant of that. And when you have an opportunity to put your voice to something like that, your face to something like that and say, hey, this is not okay," I I thought that was pretty important. I'll, 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 I'll say this as well. I also think, too, when you have kids and you're seeing things 
through their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and their reaction and their disappointment and their anger and their concern. I think there was also a responsibility as a dad as well. Yeah, I have an 11, 9, and 7-year-old, and we were holding those hands just a little tighter uh, during those moments. Uh, for Absolutely. And there's one other aspect that goes, I don't want to say into anti-Semitism, but this idea of anti-Zionism in Israel. And you publicly went to Israel this past year. I believe it's also, Maya's pretty popular. We've got to get her on the show next. Uh, <laughs> but um, you went to Israel, and you said it was a transformative moment. I actually tried to connect you with Tamir Goodman, the Jewish Jordan. Hopefully your next trip to Israel, you'll uh, get to connect with him. What was it about Israel that connected you to everything that we just said in a way that maybe you didn't even understand until you were there? Well... It's the last part of that question, Rabbi, that really is, is important here because, you know, I, I've grown up and lived my life as an adult with an immense amount of Jewish pride, an immense amount of Jewish pride. And I don't know whether it was because, you know, I grew up, my parents, before they retired, you know, were teachers in the Bronx. I don't know if it was because of taking time off with, with work. I just never envisioned going to Israel. It just wasn't on my radar as much as I love Judaism and my wife had been a couple of times and she wanted to go back and Maya really pushed it you know before her bat mitzvah and Jolie my oldest who's in high school she wanted to go and Theo my son I I can't even it's almost impossible for me to find the words to express Mm -hmm. how meaningful the trip was every element about it seeing everything the appreciation we went with our temple, Larchmont Temple, and we went Shout with- out to your rabbi, Rabbi Leora Frankel, a classmate yeah, of mine. That's right. And it was and it was incredible. Um, rabbi Serkman, who, big sports fan, even though he's a Red Sox fan. Yes, we'll, we heard that. <laughs> won't, won't hold that against him. But it was, it was just, it was spiritual. It was magical. It was incredibly fun. And we went with with six families that were just phenomenal. One who we're very close with, the others that we've become close with. We've seen, we've also gotten together with the families and with the adults since then. And I can't wait to go back. Like I daydream now about my next trip to Israel. It, it really had a profound impact on us. And so let's take that to the sports world because as you're probably aware of Athletes for Israel and Coach Bruce Pearl at Auburn, right? He takes mostly African-American evangelical Christians in Alabama to Israel to be baptized in the Jordan River. Actually, last year when Coach Pearl played USC, I said, Coach, there's no way that you're not coming to L.A. and coming to Sinai Temple for shul. And he came into the synagogue only for kiddish, wearing his uniform after practice, and he said, I'm Coach Bruce Pearl. And people are like, who are you? And he said, no, but today I'm Mordechai ben Dover. And this is why I love Israel, because it didn't exist for my grandfather to escape Eastern Europe. And so maybe talk about what uh, Coach Pearl's doing. Um, also, Coach Bob McKillop, he's going to be at Sinai Temple in a couple of weeks. He took his 2018 team of Davidson College to Auschwitz. And so what about these immersive experiences teaching these just simple athletes who have a platform, as you said, that they can make a difference in building those bridges, specifically combating something like anti-Semitism and also racism in their communities. But you just nailed it. And that to me, the way you phrase that question, it's just, it's so important. And that's why I think what Coach McKillop did, what, what Coach Pearl did, it's just, it's important because, you know, go back to Seinfeld. And there was that funny anti-dentite line. Right. When with an episode in Seinfeld and it was at the end of the episode 
And, you know, is Jerry offended, you know, as a Jewish person or as a comedian, you know, the rabid anti-dentite. And Deborah Messing's character says, get rid of them all with the blacks and the Jews. And everybody laughed because of the commonality when it came to African-Americans and when it came to Jewish people in terms of issues and being persecuted. And I, I think that when you think about what a basketball team for those squads, what, what what it can do in terms of that bridge and that building mm -hmm. and an understanding, I just, I smile. I, I do. I think it's, and it's so forward thinking and wonderful and beautiful on the part of those coaches to understand why that is so necessary and an important thing in terms of you know, being cognizant of, of different races and religions and acceptance, and also, I think, making the individuals that much stronger as, as people in, in so many different ways. And so, actually, I interviewed Jay Billis. He was one of my first guests about his book called Toughness. Rabbi, I'm not a spiritual person, not a religious person. I said, Jay, your book is called Toughness. It's called Courage, Perseverance toughness and that's all spirituality and then i see he goes to israel and i texted jay i would said jay you're coming back on the show because when you're tweeting to two million people i'm floating in the dead sea that means more than you can even imagine and so maybe just talk about the use of social media within these social within the sports platforms if you had a dream to use social media for these athletes aaron Rodgers, who you talk about we have a good relationship what would be your message to them to to uh improve society and not um, let's say, go in the opposite direction. But I think that's that's just it. It's almost the, you know, think before you tweet. And, you know, I, I think that's as important as anything. And the power of your words and the power of, of pressing send. And you're right. I mean, Jay Billis writing that. And I love Jay when he, you know, he's floating in the Dead Sea. Like, there's there's meaning there. That's mm -hmm. that's important. I'm, he's in Israel. And that's something that, that needs to be discussed. But I do think that's important, too, in terms of athletes and people in sports using their power when it comes to social media. Because if you can write something that's positive, if you can write something that people can relate to, if you can write something that can make someone's day, you know, I don't look, I'm on Twitter all the time. It's it's important for me. It's like the old AP Newswire, right? Something breaks, yeah. it's going to break on Twitter. It's a life and blood for me for what I do for a living, hosting a radio and a TV show. But people don't like social media or don't like Twitter. I do. I don't mind the conversation. Maybe that's the radio host in me. But I especially think it can be used for good. And that's such a great example, whether it's something in terms of a beautiful moment, charitable event you know a way to raise awareness to an important cause i i do think there are a lot of great examples where that could be used for athletes and so in our last few moments uh after we do finish shabbat for havdalah we say ben kodesh lechol that we should go from the sacred to the ordinary and so uh watch your show yesterday time to shine if you haven't seen that show make sure you check it out on cbs sports tv and you were all about la yesterday shahey otani and the dodgers and uh california demontis sabonis and i have a good relationship with him and the kings and darren fox what was that? You're usually so New York centric and you brought it out here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. A couple of things on that. Number one, I always try. And obviously I'm a New Yorker. I sound yes. New York. I look New York. 
I root for the Yankees. I root for Syracuse. I root for the Knicks. Everybody knows that. When I do a show nationally, whether it's radio or TV, when I'm on SiriusXM, CBS Sports Network, or the Rise and Shine podcast, I, I never want to have – people know my fandom. I think that's important, again, going back to being authentic. But I don't want to have a New York bias in terms of structure of topics. I'm doing a national show, and I you know, like doing a national show versus a local show in New York or, or anywhere else. And I, I just – I'm kind of – and I always think about markets, right? And L.A., I think, is such a great sports town, sports city – and with so many different teams, we talk Lakers all the time. I love talking baseball. Otani and the Dodgers are just incredible. Not even compared to Badroof, you said. I'm not, not even compared. I mean, it's what he's doing. It's it's unprecedented. He's he's a unicorn on speed. He's Paul Bunyan and Babe Ruth and Bo Jackson and Nolan Ryan all rolled into one. He leads the league in home runs as a hitter. And batting average against as a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't translate. Though I will say you bring up L.A. Outside of Israel, our favorite all-time family vacation is when we went to L.A. a few years ago. And we were met. We still talk about it all the time. And my oldest, Jolie, is always saying, she's like, you know, maybe she's got she's always dreaming about UCLA. I heard I that always, when you talked with uh, I forgot who it was a couple weeks ago. Harry yeah. Champion, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she loved that, and she's obviously you know Miss LA, and she grew up there and went to UCLA and, and loves her for LA sports teams. But I'll tell you, as someone who's New York in so many ways, I was kind of mesmerized by it. I get why someone like you can leave the Northeast and find a great home in Los Angeles. I I appreciate that. I think it's a great, great place, great city, great way of life. And, you know, that sun is pretty special, too. Yeah, I mean, and also I would say when I said earlier, sports or faith in L.A., we've had the opportunity to do sports and faith in a very deep way. And I ask everybody that I talk to, whether it's Tom Rinaldi or you or Dan Schulman or Jay Billis or Seth Greenberg or Andrea Kramer, should a rabbi be doing this? And they said, absolutely. There's a voice in sports for the faith aspect, not in your face, but actually allowing people to express that in a, in, in a deep way as well. Uh, we have one quick question from a viewer actually in uh, Albany, New York, Rabbi Ami Monson, and uh, your greatest New York sports legend. Ooh. My lifetime, I would say Derek Jeter. And I, I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate blends of being a dominant, amazing player the epitome of class, as as majestic and as tough and as clutch as you could be in crunch time moments, I would absolutely say, without hesitation, Derek Jeter, who I actually think in some ways as a regular season player was underrated mm -hmm. because when A-Rod was playing shortstop or Nomar was playing shortstop, they put up more gaudy statistics but Derek Jeter was, you know, so dominant, so consistent, and all those World Series championships. So I would say Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Well, the legendary primetime Adam Shine really brings me back, not just to my youth, but I've been following you for the last two decades. Uh, when you get out here uh, in L.A., know that you and your daughter have a uh, home synagogue and a home school. We're literally down the street from UCLA. 
Adam Shine, Time to Shine, CBS Sports TV, Rise and Shine podcast, Sirius XM, as he called Coach Beheim, really for you, are a mensch and a legend. And it's so great to have you and your authentic voice here on Rabbi on the Sidelines. Adam, it's so great to see you, and we look forward to having you again soon. Have Anytime, a great day. Anytime, Rabbi. Loved every second of it.